the denial is no longer there. Mm. In denying who I am because I thought who I am was not good enough. Yeah. You know, I thought who I am would be rejected. Yeah. Who I am would not be loved. And I ended up making choices that would end me getting hurt. You know, you hide you hide yourself to fit in. I I hate myself to fit in. And then even when I tried to fit in, I still felt lonely. Mm. And even when I was lonely, I would still get rejected. And it was only later I realized that I was wearing a rejection button in me. Welcome to Great Conversations with Nicola O'Donoghue, the podcast where everyday individuals share their extraordinary stories of struggle, success, and the wisdom they found along the way. Burnout. You, like many of us, have probably experienced it. What's expected of us and what it's really like to exist in today's world are two different things, and that's why many of us exhaust ourselves trying to close the gap. My guest this week is Mercedes Reletlo. Mercedes shares the all-too-familiar story of feeling overwhelmed and exhausted by life. She compassionately shares how success in her career did not translate to happiness or fulfilment in her life, and how being fired from her job forced her to acknowledge that she was actually burnt out and needed to make a change. What stands out for me about Mercedes' story is how curiosity and faith led her out of the darkness and into a life of more joy and fulfillment. She speaks so beautifully about the fact that we are all the directors, creators and producers of our own life. This is honestly such an inspiring and empowering story about what's possible on the other side of burnout. Enjoy. Masidi Saretlo, welcome to Great Conversations. How are you today? Nicola, it's been such a long time. I am fabulous. It's a spring day, windy in South Africa, but warm. I'm feeling grateful. I'm feeling excited. Yes, to be (laughs) joining you from the other side of the world. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm so, I'm honestly ridiculously excited to jump into um, to your story in this conversation because obviously um, I've got sort of an inkling of what the guests, of what the listeners are in for. So, Masidi. <laughs> yeah. Let's kick off in the way that we do. So, opening tradition, the question that my previous guest left for you is... What is the best piece of advice you have ever received and what impact did this have on your life? I have received this. uh, Life is a blessing or it's lessons. Life will always give you blessings or lessons. Um, And when I started thinking about my life as a lesson or a blessing, things started changing for me. I used to think, oh, my God, this is horrible. I'd go through something, and I'm like, why did I go through this? Why did I go through this? When I started thinking, what is it teaching me? What is the lesson that I'm meant to learn? I started thinking about my life differently. So I would meet people who were angry, and I'd be like, I wonder what is the lesson for me here? I wonder what am I supposed to learn in this moment? And I learned that through meeting angry people, there was an angry part of me that I needed to heal. And and then the blessing part is sometimes lessons are blessings, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a blessing in every dark moment we go through. So that's the best piece of advice I've received. And I don't even know where I got it from. That is so profound. And talk to me about like when you heard that, the impact that that's had on your life. So, you know, when you receive that piece of advice, is this sort of before the advice and then after that piece of wisdom and advice? Like, how did it how did it change you and how you were showing up and living your life? At first, it was difficult. I mean, I thought "Mm, this is not quite working out like I couldn't understand this. I 
And then I started saying, okay, let me, I'm a very experimental person. I said, and curious, I'm very curious. I said, okay, let me start thinking about things that are uh, happening for me. And so from that onwards, I started not blaming people. I started not going, this person is making me angry. This one is doing this to me. I started believing that I have power over my life. No one else has power over my life. I'm the one who's responsible. I'm the creator, the director, the producer of my life. And that changed. When that question started happening for me, I started changing. It didn't become an overnight thing. Uh, It started becoming steps over time. And as I got confident and asking myself this question, the more answers I was getting. And I was like, this is working out for me. Rather than me sitting in the dark and feeling sad, it started opening my my life up for more blessings. And I feel that changed me so profoundly. Yeah, I can imagine because it sounds as if it's so it's such an empowering way to live your life. As you said, like when you said about what you're the sort of the director, the producer, the author of your life experience, I absolutely agree. And there are times when when we forget about that, don't we? And so um, I will look back. I will obviously dive into you know your story a little bit more but I'm I just would love to know now like with that awakening and power and empowerment what did you go on and create like how did you design from that from that space of curiosity and growth I was uh, asked to leave my job in 2016 uh, my dad had died in February of 2016 we buried him on the 19th and end of that month, I was asked to leave the job that I thought, oh my word, I I just had my identity so attached to the job. My daughter was three at a time, I was a single parent. I just couldn't understand what was happening. I yeah. thought everybody hated me and I thought my life would certainly go down and I couldn't understand what was going on. And I remember feeling so down, feeling so depressed about the fact that I didn't have a job. But there was a part of me that was exhausted. I'd been in corporate for 24 years and I I was just exhausted. Uh, I didn't even understand myself. And I made a decision to not go back to corporate to start my business. And I thought, you know, I need a time out and I need to, to look after my little girl at that time. And then I went through about six, four, five years and COVID came and my business went down, like really down. I was affected like most people. And I didn't, unbeknown to me, unbeknownst to me, I had burnout. I had serious burnout. I didn't even know. I would wake up trying very hard to wake up and I couldn't wake up. I, I had no energy. I'd literally wake up, take my daughter downstairs to and switch on the laptop because they were doing online schooling then. And I'd literally go back to sleep. Uh, and she would ask me, Mama, Mama, what's going on? Mama, you said, I didn't even know that. Mm. And I remember seeing a picture of hers from school and I thought to myself, my daughter looks sad. She, this is not a picture of hers. And I thought, I think that's when I started un packing a lot of stuff uh how did i get here how did i get to a point where i'm fired from a job how how did things unfold for me in this way and i wasn't thinking about unfolding for me i was thinking where did i get to what what made me get here Mm. and i'm going to share something that i haven't shared before because i thought you know people think i'm a little bit crazy but I wanted to share something that profoundly profoundly happened for me. I was sitting one day, I was feeling sad and miserable. And I'm sitting and I hear my heart pound like very loud. And I'm thinking, this doesn't feel like fear, but it feels like my heart is pounding, like palpitations, but without feeling the fear, you know. And I don't know who I heard. I just heard something in my voice saying, things will unfold for you and just let whatever unfolds come Mm -hmm. and never be afraid 
take every step you need to, and I can't remember the exact words. I, I was trying to write them down, but the voice was so powerful and gentle, but persuasive. And I thought to myself, maybe I thought I'm, I'm not crazy. hearing, but I, I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I had that voice saying things will unfold for you. And I didn't realize what it meant. And that's when I went on this curiosity and opening myself to go, how did I find myself in a job that I thought was mine and I'm sitting without a job? Yeah. And three years down the line, I went through a lot of, wow, what's going on? So you ask what's going on for me now. In the past, I would have said my career is blooming. Yeah. My everything is blooming. Now I'm telling you I'm blooming. I'm the center of my own universe. <gasps> and in the past, I would have measured myself with my career. Now I'm measuring myself with how am I waking up every day and what's the feeling and the intention and the desires in my heart. And that's how I'm judging my success of my life. Um, oh. And I've changed from judging my success of my life from having a successful ex executive career to judging it. Is my daughter happy? Is she singing? Is she, is she having fun? Are we having fun? Are we laughing? That's the success I'm having now. I've oh. gone from a dark place to a place of light. Yes, there are shadows that are still there, but the shadows have taught me that they are actually the opposite of my light. So that's oh. where I am. Oh my gosh, Masi. Oh my gosh. That is honestly so beautiful. I, I'm wow. 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 What a transformation. And it sounds as if, you know, when you say the voices in your head, I find it really interesting because we've all got inner storytellers and narrators that, you know, shape our, our experience of reality. And it sounds to me at that point that you'd got to the stage where you could hear your authentic self. I mean, oftentimes our voice is so busy with the imposters and the inner critics and um, hence why w w a lot of us do experience burnout because they're the ones that are putting the pressure on us and driving us to do things. It sounds like in that moment you were able to access the wisdom and the strength of your authentic self. And so I think then just take me back. So, you know, the the, the period and the version of you that ended up burning out so who was you know sort of should we say my cd version one like the you know yeah. the og like who, yeah. who, who, but who were you so like talk to me about what like where did you grow up what what were you like as a child like you know what is sort of what got you to that point um of burnout and and yeah I came from a very academic family. I was born in a little town called Ellis. Um, and Ellis is a little town, but it's got a very famous university called uh, University of Forte, uh, where the Nelson Mandela's went. Uh, my father was a professor of physics in this university. And it was for black uh, students because of apartheid, all black students went there. But like, if you look at the political spectrum, the business spectrum, a lot of high-level people went to that university. So in 1964, before I was born, my parents moved to Forte for my father to take up this uh, position. And when I was about to be born, he was going to get a PhD. And so I was named Katleho, which means success. But uh, Musidi, was, Musidi was given to me by my paternal grandmother who was complaining that none of her grandchildren had her name. So I was given Musidi Katleho. Katleho was supposed to be my first name, meaning success. Wow. And I grew up as the fourth, the last born. Um, you know, my sister would say I was spoiled, <laughs> uh, but my mom says I was a happy child. Uh, I mean, I was a middle income child in a black South Africa, which was unheard of. Mm. And but from an early age, I noticed things about myself that, you know, as children, you pick up. My mom was very light in complexion and, you know, petite. And my sisters were the same. And I wasn't light in complexion. I was dark. 
and I was slightly tall and very skinny. And it bothered me that mm. I was, I didn't look the same. And then uh, my mom would tease my sister and I and go, you know, you're not the clever ones. My other, my other siblings, my brother and my other sibling, she go, they are like your dad. You guys are like my, you, are like me. And for me as a child, I thought, okay, that means I'm not ugly. I'm, I mean, I'm not clever. And then I started, I think, forming this narrative of there's something, there's something not right with me. I'm not pretty. I'm not, and lots of stuff would happen that would reinforce that um, that belief. And so when I was in grade eight, my parents took me to boarding school, and I was bullied in boarding school mm-hmm. uh, in grade eight and grade ten. That was a horrible time for me. Um, and I inwardly went into myself and, I, mm-hmm. and my grades started going down. After high school, I went to university and I was um, I was attacked. I was assaulted by a guy I knew. Um, I didn't even know I was sexually assaulted, um, but it would remain with me for a long time. My subconsciousness just buried it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, having these two things happen, I also participated in a lot of university staff. I became a subwarden, I became a tutor, um, and things went, you know, there was dark stuff, but there was good stuff happening. I got a job at this fantastic company, and my life just changed. I met a woman who just was amazing to me. Initially, we were not very good friends, but she taught me to open up my mind uh, from this little town girl to thinking about my goals, thinking about what I wanted for my life. And looking back, my career became my identity, right? I became, oh, I'm no longer the last born. I'm no longer the ugly duckling. This thing is making me feel acknowledged and making me feel like people love me. I was receiving a lot of acknowledgement and love and I was enjoying the attention because, wow, I needed it, right? I I needed it from the place of bullying, the place of being assaulted to now I'm I'm like opening up like a flower, you know, all the attention is coming to me. Fast forward to in my mid-30s, my career starts tumbling and I'm like, oh my word, this is not feeling good. But there's something inside of me that's just not entirely happy, but I can't figure it out. I'm like not happy. I get a job in Cape Town, not happy. I move back. It, there's always some little hole that mm. I I would buy lots of things. It wouldn't go down. I do this, no go down. I just couldn't figure out what the hole was. There was just, it felt like I just was disconnected. I didn't feel like I was connecting to anything. And then fast forward, I moved to another company in Johannesburg. It's 2005. I get what I want, but I'm still not happy. I'm like, I get the promotion. I get the money. I get everything, but I'm like, mm, there's a hole. There's a hole. What you're talking to is so common as well, because, um, you know, I just want to, acknowledge first of all like thank you for sharing what happened to you when you were younger and I can't even imagine the impact that that must have had as you say because when you're so vulnerable and young and, and we don't know like we're trying to discover who we are and our and our identity and um things like you know bullying by itself can just have the the ability to really derail how you view yourself and and the the level of self-worth that you develop and that you then carry through with you um, in your life and I can absolutely connect with what you're saying about looking for that external validation you know in order to feel something in order to feel seen revered whatever it is I mean it's the path that I think so many of us go down as we're trying to figure out who we are and and I feel like it's often because we're not really encouraged to think about who we are it is always what you do like how much money do you earn what you do like that they become the labels with it with which we build our identity around 
So I can hear you. Like, I think your story of just attaining success within your career and still feeling unfulfilled is so common for Mm. a lot of people out there. And so Mm. when you found yourself in that situation, when you found yourself, you know, in Brazil and then, you know, crying and then you move back to South Africa and you're sort of moving around, what are some of the things that that helped you navigate through that time? Like, where did you look in order to find a little bit of peace, more fulfillment, more joy? I was so unconscious of myself. I lived in an unconscious world. I I wasn't even aware that the mind is so powerful and then the mind gives a story. So I buried a lot of stuff and so... I thought my career would give me more, so I would look for mat- look for more material stuff. Mm. Eventually, I was like, no, this is not what, where I am. I want to start a family. <laughs> mm. And I, uh, I started a family. Um, my daughter, I had a miscarriage first. Um, and then I thought, oh, my God, God doesn't love me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not feeling yeah. good. I'm just not feeling good. Um, but eventually, three months uh, after my miscarriage, um, my little girl came. Uh, and it was a blessing, but I suffered from postpartum depression. And I wasn't even aware of that. I ballooned 218 kilograms. I'd been diagnosed with sugar, pre-diabetes, uh, I was uh, had blood pressure. I had all sorts of things going through. I'm like this should be the most precious time of my life, but I'm so scared. I'm feeling alone, and the dead and uh, I parted ways, and so I was feeling alone and overwhelmed. But here's this amazing little beautiful innocent child. Uh, I uh, that is born, and my my little girl gave me a piece of something you know I didn't really know how parents love kids like we love our parents but having Amu taught me like a new level of powerful love with like so much love so much amazingness so I started thinking okay this feels different from my normal self this feels like a mom who's nurturing, who's loving, who's in a joyful, happy moment. There's a purpose in that as well, isn't there? Like a purpose through motherhood um, and a meaning to your life that goes deeper than a career, isn't it? And earning money. Yeah, because I was like, I was no longer working. I stopped working and all, but I was still scared. But all I could look forward to is, if I go out for five minutes, I want to come back to my baby and I'm leaving her with my nanny, but I just wanted to be with her. I was so like fulfilled in that way. Yeah. Then fear got to me. It's like, okay, I need to find a job. And, um, (laughs) and I went to that job where I got fired and I lasted three years. uh, And that's where everything tumbled down. But, um, It was only later that I discovered the lesson and the blessing in everything um, through the ups and downs of my life. That's what I was going to ask you, because, you know, the the idea of because I, I absolutely agree with you that the lessons and blessings that are um, inherent in in every way of life, if we want to be open to it but oftentimes it's really difficult isn't it when you're in the moment to be able to see that and oftentimes you look back and then suddenly situations that happen that maybe seemed innocuous or that you might have labeled really bad now make sense as like as you're saying when you got fired I'm sure in that moment it didn't feel like a blessing but now looking back you know sort of six seven years later you can see the the gift in that situation and I always remember um, hearing something so when I studied for my MBA one of the classes we had somebody come in and, and speak to the class and he said we're so quick to put labels on things in life and so we label things as good or bad and we're really binary in our approach what if we just labeled them as don't know and then mm-hmm. through that 
I don't know, like good, bad, who knows? Like it was who knows actually. And um, it just ignites what I think you're talking to, which is that ability to then be curious and mm-hmm. to be more open to whatever might, whatever might come next. But in order to get to that point is a journey. So in the moment when like bad things were happening, when you got fired, when your father passed, what were your moments of light what helped you be able to find grace and peace in those moments my daughter yeah i'm all uh i would first of all i was grateful because i i'm a praying woman and i don't know who your audience is but i'm a spiritual praying woman and my parents have always had faith but in a very traditional go to church, pray. But I found for myself, uh, having a relationship with my higher vision, with God, the spirit has helped me. I knew that I had not expected Amu, but through prayer, Amu came. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I looked back in parts of my life that had gone well, and I knew there was something bigger than me than who I was that was happening. And Amu kept me going. Amu was my light. And uh, her name is Amu Khela, means we welcome you. And she was my shining light. Um, I wanted to do better for her. I wanted to break the cycle of whatever had gone on in the family and make her a better mother than I I hope to be. So if I broke the cycle of sadness or the feeling of low self-esteem and unworthiness, I'm not just breaking it for her, I'm breaking it for my great-grandkids and their children and their children, children's children. So yeah. at some point, I did it for her. Yeah, what a blessing. And it is like yeah. it's, the, it's the importance of those relationships in your life because change is hard and there might be a part of you that knows that you're really unhappy that you're not living your life as you want to be and actually the 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 I guess the driver and the motivation to start to start on that journey to change can be so multifaceted but wanting to be better for somebody else in your life who you love is such a powerful beautiful reason which I think a lot of people can really connect with I mean I'm not a parent but what you say is what I've heard a lot from friends of mine who are parents is just when they have children it fundamentally changes like that you start to see things about yourself about your history about your family as you say you start to see patterns of behavior that then you question and they're like what Mm -hmm. who do what role model do I want to be to this these individuals that I'm helping raise that I'm shaping their mind for the future what do I want them to carry with them and it sounds very much like that was the the journey that you started on back then yeah I mean she challenges me um and I'm come from a generation my parents were my mom is 87 right and I'm 54 I had a child at 43 she's turning 11 and she's a new generation kid and she's quite vocal and she's quite, I uh, have a voice in this house. And at first I was like, girl, I'm the mother here. <laughs> hey, no, well, they're going to give me that attitude. <laughs> and she's like, but mommy, I have a voice. <laughs> no, you don't. You are five. No, no, you don't. Exactly. You don't. You do not pay for stuff. You do not. Yeah. I know. But she taught me something that I never knew. I have a voice. That's what she taught me. And when I started thinking I have a voice, that's when the realization of, my God, I've closed my voice. I don't know who I am really. Yeah. Uh, I, I really. And that's when then the whole thing was like, I've always known myself as Musidi, the career woman. Mm. Then motherhood came, Musidi, the mom. Mm. But who is Musidi? Who is, who's this lady? Who's this woman? Who am I? Like, that was the question I asked myself. 
So who is Masidi? Wow. Um, I have this T-shirt. I don't know. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are, lady. (laughs) I am beautiful. I am powerful. I'm creative. I'm wise. I'm knowledgeable. I'm God's child. I'm light. I'm love. I'm wisdom. I'm... I'm everything that embraces light. I'm light. Um, And when I started seeing myself in the dimension of internal and not external, things started shifting for me to realize that I define my existence through the eyes of the universe, through the eyes of the the person who brought me here or the spirit that brought brought me here. But more than that, I'm a spirit. I'm a spirit. How does it feel for you to hear yourself say that and, and describe yourself in that way? There was a time I would have cried. <laughs> mm. yeah. um, I feel blessed. I feel mm. grateful. And, well, it's, um, I'm, I'm feeling myself tear up now, but yeah. I'm going to breathe a little. Um, it's been a tough, challenging journey for me. Uh, because yeah. I had an identity that wasn't mine. Yeah. I was a people pleaser. I um I wanted to be somebody who was accepted. Yeah. I uh, was yeah. a good little girl. And it's labels that so many of us put on ourselves, I think particularly as as women as well, like to be, you know, we're, we're told from a very young age and particularly our generation to be liked and accepted. You smiled, you put up with things you didn't push back. You didn't use your voice. It wasn't encouraged to have a voice as a, as a woman of, of our generation. Um, so I'm, I'm not surprised that you, as you say, that you did what you did in order to fit in and be accepted but what that did was pull you away from yourself and I think the journey that you're sharing of rediscovering who you really are without those labels and underneath those labels is something that is it's definitely the journey that I've been on and myself over the past you know few years and I'm sure that other people can really resonate as well and it's painful and beautiful and and you know bountiful and everything in the mix isn't it when you start, when you finally come home to yourself and see yourself and stand in the mirror and wear a t-shirt that says beautiful and genuinely feel every single letter within that word um, and encompass it. Yeah, I I feel you, I'm with you. Thank you. Um, I thought I wasn't going to cry, but, and these are not the tears of pain, by the way. These are yeah. tears of Feeling like the denial is no longer there. Me denying who I am because I thought who I am was not good enough. Yeah. You know, I thought who I am would be rejected. Yeah. Who I am would not be loved. And I ended up making choices that would end me getting hurt. You know, you hide you hide yourself to fit in. I I hate myself to fit in. And then even when I tried to fit in, I still felt lonely. Mm. And even when I was lonely, I would still get rejected. And it was only later I realized that I was wearing a rejection button in me. Yeah. You know, I'm the one who's the creator, the producer, the director, the actor of my life. Whatever thoughts I turn into beliefs, then they turn into the feeling and the knowledge. They vibrate who I think I am and they attract the similar people. And and when I realize that the life I'm attracting is not the life I want, I had to go back and rewire the thoughts. Now that takes a long time, right? And you've done this as well. It's like the thoughts 
the thoughts, what I think every day is going to determine what my day is going to be like, not external stuff. External stuff is just a external, it's an in-out, it's not an outside-in. So, and that's how my life has started evolving, in-out. And as you say, it is, it's like the external stuff is the things that keep you disconnected from yourself, from your mind, from your voice um, from what's really going on for you. And so how did you, what, what are some of the things that practically you did to help you on that journey then to help you start to live, which is you so beautifully articulate, but live from the inside out. What did, how did you talk to me about that journey and what it's looked like and, and what helped you? Like, you know, for other people that want to go on that, what are some of the things that helped you? Oh, you know, I can tell you something. If you're looking for perfection in this journey, you are not going to get perfection. Absolutely. Um, there is no such thing as perfect because we're human. No Humans are not human. perfect. Oh, we're a mess. I, we're a mess. Yeah. And I think what you've said is curiosity. Yeah. Uh, I started getting curious. Now, one of the things I've noticed is the minute you have a desire and you put it down in words, my and I put it down in words, my desire was to find my voice. It looks like the universe just conspires anyway. <laughs> I thought that was just me. I literally thought that was just me. I'm having the same thing at the moment. I'm like, I'm just going to stop putting out things out there because every time I put things out there, the universe just laughs and is like, ha, 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 not today, (laughs) missus. I'm going to give you the lessons that you need. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, I don't want no more schooling. I'm done. (laughs) I thought I was done. Like. And I found myself putting this thing out. Um, I actually, I remember putting it out from three experiences. This was like a vision of my life I wanted. And as soon as I put this thing out, stuff started happening. So my first thing was I did a meditation course by, oh, it's not, uh, Oprah loves this guy and I forgot his name. Oh, Is it it's always... Deepak Chopra? Yeah, Deepak Chopra. Yeah. After the meditation, I was like, hmm, there's something more. And then I was researching and I did coaching with you. So I was like, okay, I need more answers. So I did a course in the U.S. called Authentic Living and I did an energy healing course. And as as you think, oh, it's going to be over. Uh-uh. The universe is like, I'm going to throw more at you, more at you, more at you. And I thought, no, the journey is going to be a smooth, pain, peaceful (laughs) one. (laughs) It was like, like snow, mud, whatever was thrown at me. And I'm like, oh, no, God, this is enough now. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Exactly. And there were tears. Yeah, yeah, was it the same for you? <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I um, I went through a, Sarah, like I did a year of intensive therapy. That was probably the the biggest stepping into, like you said, really uncovering and um, the beliefs and and the things that were ancestral that I didn't want to carry with me. And it is bruising, isn't it? You know, it's the it's this. Actually, what I really was surprised at is there were moments when it was very tough and as you say lots of crying lots of um struggling to get out of bed eating ice cream um you know just sort of like yeah just having to really introspectively shut down and, and process but I actually uncovered and I, I, I wonder if this is similar for you I uncovered so much more light and joy than I thought I was going to through that process of discovery and I think because I'd lived with my quote-unquote demons and, and inner critics for so long that I knew that shame-based judgment perfectionist people-pleaser narrative really intimately because that had been you know 40 years of my life and so when I properly started going on to on this path of reconnecting with my authentic voice, finding out who I was, I discovered so many light parts of me that I didn't know. Like I unleashed a whole creative side to Nicola that I, I think I I hadn't accessed since I was a child. 
So as you say, it's like, it's both, isn't it? It does feel a little bit like you're in a, in a washing machine being like jumbled around and sometimes you bang your head and it really hurts. And then other times it's quite fun and, you know, invigorating and yeah, I, I, I don't know. It sounds like it might've been similar for you as well. It was because then I started making friends with the darkness because yes. I had this thing yes. that is the devil that's killing me. Yeah. I'm like, I went to therapy as well. I was like, actually, it's not the darkness that's killing me. It's that inner child that's yeah. crying out for me to see her. That So I went back and that inner child was an inner child at three years. There was an inner child who needed uh, my you know, attention at seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, yeah. and the 13, the 15, and the 18-year-old self. And so when the inner child starts crying, I know it's my time for elevation. And I know because it comes with a bang, really. It, like before you get elevated, that storm is going to come at you. And so I felt like I was going through the mouse machine. Yeah. Tumble dried, <laughs> and then I come up clean. <laughs> and I used to hate that feeling, though. I was like, oh, here we go again. I want to climb into bed and hide. But in that tumble drying, in the darkness, I discovered the light. And that was the moment of actually, the light comes from the darkness, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Absolutely. So. I don't know what Rumi says. Yeah, I was going to say, is it is it something, there's a quote, isn't there? Like, you've got to uh, break apart for the light to shine through. Is that Rumi? Is that not his, That that's not I, his quote? But it sounds like that. It Some, says yeah. they, something like the healing is where the wound is or whatever, the light is. I can't remember. But I actually got it. It's like, once you start dealing with your wounds, that's where the healing became. Yeah. And the wounds are our little kids who were not heard, the people pleasers, the what you and I went through similar. The, because we come from a generation of uh, women who were not heard. And in South Africa, mostly, like in South Africa, we were like at the bottom of the ladder. Like, yeah. like imagine being woken up. Hey, you, you are a brown woman and you are at the bottom of the ladder. And this yeah. voice is like, but why am I at the bottom of the ladder? And that's why the anger rises to people. It's like, who are you to put me at the bottom of the ladder? Because yeah. I'm sure God didn't bring me here to be at the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. Then that happens externally. And then it happens in your family. It's like, you, the last born, you're at the bottom of the ladder. I'm like, but I want to be at the top of the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not. I'm going to flip that ladder <laughs> around then. Yeah, you're right. No. You're, you're you're right. It's like it's it's exactly what happens. Like we we carry things with us, and and even yeah. people that don't that that are unconscious about it we all carry these wounds because we've all been whether it's unconsciously in society or consciously like what you're talking about we've been told things about ourselves that we then internalize and carry with us into life and oftentimes we don't realize that our reaction um to life and situations and relationships is what you're talking about the inner child response it's not you as a fully functioning adult responding to that it's the 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 young child that carries this hurt this trauma the shame judgment anger whatever it may be it's them that's reacting to it and yeah a huge part of the the journey to come home to yourself is I love what you're saying about embracing because I feel as if often this the space of development is particularly self-development and self-care and self-help we talk about fixing and it's just such the right like as you say it is just you never like it's not about fixing because fundamentally that then is like pushing a narrative that there's something wrong with us or wrong with you that you're broken and need to be fixed and healed you don't it's about it's like I love what you're saying it's curiosity it's discovery and then it's love and embracing and learning to be comfortable with sitting with all of these multifaceted parts of yourself that make up you as a whole because we can never be fully light and we can most humans can never be fully dark either so we are this mishmash of messiness and it's understanding what drives us and who we are and then embracing that with compassion that I feel as if is the ticket to living authentically and and 
is what I think freedom is. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, imagine if we would be robots. Look, 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 I don't think, exactly. I don't feel, I don't think, I don't feel. Yeah. And for me is one of my therapists told me that we have been given our minds, they, they expand. Expansion is when you con- go from an unconscious to the consciousness. It's, ev- it's not going to end. It's, it's yeah. an ongoing thing. So you're never going to get to a point where you go, I'm so okay. Because the minute you go, I'm so okay, the mind, the curiosity, we're expansion. We expand. We, I mean, you see it every day of our lives. We laugh that AI is here and we get afraid. But we should just be curious and, and and embrace it and go, okay, what's going on here that I should learn about? What's the blessing here that I'm going to go through? You know, we are a human race that's come here to expand our consciousness, to learn, to give our gifts to humankind. And I think we forget that. We forget that we've got gifts and I'm not going to get defined by my career now. I'm going to get defined by what I want to uh, leave a legacy to about what my daughter grows up as an adult and who I become as I evolve. So God says, come home, baby. I'm yeah. here to live. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I'm just curious, like, if I ask Amo what she thinks of you, like, what her perspective is on your journey and how you've evolved and grown in the past seven years what do you think her response would be oh i don't know she's got her mind of her own <laughs> <laughs> she will tell you mommy's kind uh mommy's soft mom can get angry and sometimes that didn't make me feel good actually we were talking about it yesterday and uh, she said mommy you know we haven't had a fight in a long time <laughs> oh. Um, because I've had to learn to adjust my response. And it, the thing about motherhood, Nicola, is the triggers, the child's triggers are yours. Like mm. when a child triggers, it's not the child, it's you. The yeah. wounds that are triggered are the wounds that need to be healed. Yeah. And I'm only, uh, I, re- I realized that I had a lot of triggers from when I was a child. And I used to get so mad and it was only then that I realized that she's my teacher lesson yeah. blessing and I needed to heal those wounds from that seven-year-old girl so yeah. I think I would go my mom has come a long way but I'm hoping that she still learns some more I think yeah. I would put it like that yeah well I'm sure if um if she's your your learning partner that you've got a long exciting road ahead to travel um together and both and both by yourself and and as you look back like as you from from where you are right now what is the I guess the biggest lesson that you've learned as you look back over your life I think I've said it uh for me the biggest lesson was I'm the creator of Mm. my life uh if something is happening and it doesn't feel good for me, I need to go back and reflect on what parts of myself need that healing that responded in a way that's so bad or not curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the other day uh, I took Amu uh, to a, a friend and um, long ago and have um, the mother of the friend turned around to me and said I she didn't think I was a good mom uh, well that's what I, I heard and it hurt me and when I thought back I was like I'm so not gonna take Amo to this friend again I was so pissed off sorry for that word but I realized actually she was a mirror of what I was already thinking uh, I thought I was not a, an amazing mom so that pain was shy that word or the things she was saying was shining a light on the belief system that I had. So everything I now I know I have the power to create the life I want through the power of my thoughts and my emotions. So that's what I've learned. I'm the creator of my life. 
And the mirror will always show me, or people, the universe will always show me where I need to heal. But I'm able to manifest the life I want based yeah. on what I am desiring in a good way, good intentions, pure loving intentions. I'm the creator of my life. Oh my God. You know what, Mercedes? I need to hear that right now. Thank you. Wow. Jeez. That mirror, <laughs> that, that, that woman is a mirror to you. Wow. Yeah. That is so powerful. Like on so many levels, just the fact that you were even able to acknowledge that. Jeez, yeah. that's inspiring. Thank you. So we have a closing tradition on this podcast where I ask all of my guests, what is something that other people value that you don't? Sure. I was thinking about that. There are two things that people value in South Africa, and I'm so scared to say this. <laughs> I sports like rugby. Uh, <laughs> well, after after the result yesterday, <laughs> you, you might be okay. <laughs> I don't value sports. Like, it's okay. It's I mean, South Africa is a sports loving nation, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's not like I, I like, yeah. but I think one of the things I see from a lot of people, I don't want to say I don't value it. But um, material stuff, I don't value, uh, I don't want to make it, like, define me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love money, but I don't let it define me. I love mm-hmm. money for, it's a tool to help me get the desires, but it doesn't define who I am. Yeah. Then, yeah, i not... Uh, I don't value material things because they don't define who I am. Yeah. Um, I hope that makes sense. It does. I really respect that. Yeah, it really does. Oh, Masidi, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your story and wisdom. I've, I've loved it. Thank you kindly. Thank you to the amazing individuals who make great conversations possible. My editor, Diane Moritz, musician Jamie Jenkin, and our incredible guests for their openness. Sending you so much love. Bye for now. <laughs>